You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is late Friday evening. The Packers have made two selections on day two of the NFL draft, and they started the day with only one pick and were able to trade up into the third round to make a second selection to have a third round pick. But we have, and and we will talk about that. We will talk about all of that. We will talk about Oren Burks from Vanderbilt, but we have to start the show with Josh Jackson, who the Packers somehow got with the 45th overall selection. They stand pat at 45 as players are getting picked around them. Guys that I thought were third-round players. Guys I thought might not even be third-round players. I mean, there were, there were guys that were picked on Friday, that one of whom I had never heard of. And a couple guys that I didn't think were top 100 players. And they went in the top 75 or 80. And so for the Packers to have the chance... To take a player like Josh Jackson at 45, who I thought was one of the 15 best players in the draft. I understand the Packers take Jair Alexander at 18, and it feels redundant to take Jackson at 45. No. No, 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 no. You need talent at corner. And if you don't have four or five, you don't have a secondary. You need at least three. We don't know if the Packers, frankly, have any. Because we don't know if if Tremont Williams has anything left in the tank. And we don't know if Kevin King can get better in year two. And then you have two rookies at a position where rookies are generally bad. And so when your secondary is a problem, when you lack talent, the move is to go out and get playmakers. And that is what Green Bay did. He was Pro Football Focus's number one ranked corner in the draft. Jair Alexander, by the way, was the top ranked corner for Mike Mayock at NFL Network. Mike Lombardi, former NFL GM, thought Alexander was the best corner in the draft. So at worst, Green Bay gets as prospects cornerbacks two and three, but but maybe even one and two. And they do that while adding a first round pick. And because they have these extra selections, are able to move up in the third round, recoup the third round pick that they give up to Seattle to get Jair Alexander at 18. But let's talk about the Jackson pick in particular because I think this is really fascinating. Green Bay clearly wants to have some different types of players. They want a diversity of skill sets. And the and the Jackson pick taken in conjunction with the Burks pick I think, serves to further that narrative. But they take an undersized, feisty corner, 5'10", 196, Jair Alexander, on Thursday. On Friday, they take a six-flat, 
well, six, zero and a half, 196, long-armed corner, Josh Jackson, who led college football in interceptions last year. A playmaker, a dynamic, instinctive playmaker, much like Jair Alexander. They brought in two ball hawk cornerbacks, something that this team desperately, desperately needed, especially after trading Demarius Randall, who was by far their best playmaker in the back end. When you look at this secondary now with Kevin King, who's 6'3", 200, and Josh Jackson, who is 6'196", and the length that they have on the outside, and then you can put Jair Alexander in the slot, the kind of playmaking and and splash plays that you can create while matching up with any receiving group in football because of the diversity of skill sets. That provides your defensive coordinator tremendous flexibility. That means Mike Patton can call any kind of defense. Josh Jackson is probably better suited to be his own corner, but he can play press man. He played mostly off coverage at Iowa. And his best traits, his ability to read the quarterback and break on the ball and, and has some of the best ball skills we've seen. I mean, seriously, in the last five or 10 years, some of the best ball skills that have come through the draft process. And that is something that this team has sorely lacked. I understand he he ran 4.5 plus at the combine at his pro day, ran 4.48, jumped 40 inches, three cone under seven, in fact, six eight six, which is a great time. So he has athletic ability, even if he doesn't have great long speed. And when you mix that with a front that can create some push and some pass rush, now you have depth at the cornerback position and teams can't just look out at your defense and go, I know where I can go. Early last year, Devon House was one of the least targeted corners in football, specifically because Quentin Rollins was trash. He was really bad and Demarius Randall was playing really poorly. So why does a team have to throw at Devon House when they can throw at these two other terrible corners? Well, now when you look out at a defense that has Kevin King, you hope he makes a year two leap. You've got this ball hawk, Josh Jackson. You've got this swaggerific slot corner, Jair Alexander, who can play on the boundary. You've got Tremont Williams. You've got Devon House. Now suddenly you don't have those same kinds of weaknesses. You don't have a quarterback that can go, oh, I win this matchup simply by lining up there. The Packers have created flexibility and versatility to say nothing of the supreme talent. I mean, two of the best 18 or 20 players in the draft, the Packers got with their first two picks and they added a first round pick for their troubles. That is incredible efficiency. Whether or not these players are good, we don't know. We don't know. But that's not how the draft works. When you have a position of need, add players, give yourself more bites at the apple, and you give yourself a better chance of getting a good player. This is similar to 1999. The Packers draft Antoine Edwards, Fred Vincent, and Mike McKenzie. And the reason they do that, you might remember, is a receiver in 1998 gets drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. His name is Randy Moss, and he lights the league on fire. 
And in particular, he lights the Packers secondary on fire. And so what do they do? They take three cornerbacks, one, two, three. And how many were good? One. Just Mike McKenzie. Now, Mike McKenzie turned into a long-term starter for the Packers at corner. He was a fixture on that team for many years. Helped them win games, helped them win playoff games. When you have a deficiency, you go out and just add talent. And Green Bay added talent. Does it mean that that both of these guys are going to turn into great players? Of course not. We don't know. There's no guarantees of that. But the process to this point has been outstanding. I mentioned Pro Football Focus. Josh Jackson was the number one corner in this draft cast, according to Pro Football Focus. Jair Alexander was the number one corner in terms of passer rating against last year, according to Pro Football Focus. That is the kind of data you can get from Pro Football Focus. And I want to give you that access to everything behind their paywall. It's a $39.99 value. You'd have to pay it I want to give it to you for free. Just put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast and you'll be entered to win our contest. You'll get access to NFL draft coverage, pro football focus profiles, stats, fantasy, daily fantasy, and all sorts of signature content only available to subscribers. I'm going to give it to you for free if you win our contest. Name, Twitter handle in a review of the podcast on iTunes. Now, as we went through the draft process, I read my report on Josh Jackson. And I I don't feel it's necessary to go back through that because I've talked about how I feel about him over the course of this process. He is a special playmaker, a special player when the ball is in the air, reading quarterbacks. He is ideal For the modern league with his size, his strength, he has just a tremendous body, he has burst, but he's got to clean up his tackling, he's got to clean up his technique, he's going to have to learn how to be a press corner in the NFL, but his instincts in playmaking are already at top levels. Let me read to you, as part of the the draft series, Bob McGinn obviously talked to scouts, the first quote in his profile, what a player. What else do you need to know? What a player. He led college football in interceptions and pass breakups. That same scout, he didn't run very good, but I'm going to tell you he can play. He's got vision, instincts, and hands like a wide receiver, which he was at one time. No wasted steps, plants, and drives on the ball. Ridiculous ball skills to get interceptions, a second scout said. Some of the best I've ever seen. The concern is scheme fit. He probably would be better in a zone-heavy scheme where he can play off and just do the quarterback and can utilize his route awareness as opposed to him lining up and press and having to deal with some of the burners on the edge. All of that is true, and, and I've said that. And I think he is a he's better suited to be his own corner. That's why there are the comparisons to Richard Sherman Doesn't have the great speed, but just has incredible instincts and incredible ball skills. The question is, can he play man coverage? And Green Bay clearly feels like he can. They clearly feel like he's athletic enough to handle those responsibilities. And and frankly, if you trust your safeties, you can get away with it. If he lacks the deep speed, that's only a problem if you feel like your safeties can't give you help over the top. If they can, 
then you don't have to worry about it. His closest athletic and statistical college comp is A.J. Bouye, who was just one of the two or three best corners in football last year who the Jaguars gave a bazillion dollars to. So remember yesterday I told you that the comp for Alexander was Stephon Gilmore. That was his closest statistical and athletic comp from college, who the Patriots gave $65 million. A.J. Bouye got that same kind of contract. These are the kinds of talents Green Bay just added to their secondary without having to give those big contracts. Now, they're going to have to pay these guys if they produce, of course. But they have Alexander for four years with a fifth-year option. They've got Josh Jackson under contract for four years at a reasonable cost for the next four years. He's only 22. Alexander is only 21. Josh Jackson just turned 22. So this is a young secondary, a young group of athletes. And that's what you're looking for if you're looking at a team that is trying to get better in the back end. They have to get better in the back end. They don't have a choice. It's hard to imagine a better scenario playing out for Green Bay. Given the deficiencies on this team, it's hard to imagine a better scenario than addressing your number one need with multiple first-round talents. And not just first-round talents, legit first-round talents. I had 18 guys with first-round grades. Alexander was 17. That's not very many. Now, there was another... 15 or so that had borderline first, second grades. But 18 guys and Green Bay somehow gets two with 18, with 45 and adding a first round pick. That is getting the job done. You are listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything new across the NFL with Locked On NFL and get all the latest with the NFL Draft with Locked On NFL Draft. As we discussed was possible yesterday and and in the days leading up to the draft, the Packers with this horde of picks were going to be able to recuperate that number 76 pick that they gave up to trade back into the middle of the first round to get Alexander. And I was watching the drafts going at 76. I don't know that there's anyone here that that I'm sad Green Bay can't be drafting. That is another key in all of this. Opportunity cost has to be playing a factor. If, you, if you're not going to get a guy that you love in that range, then it's not worth what it might be worth to someone else who does love someone in that range. If you think the guy that you're going to get there is not a top-end guy or is not good value in the moment, then that makes it even easier for you to say, well, we're going to give up this pick to move up and get a player that we really do like. So Green Bay packages 101, which again, remember, they got that in the Demarius Randall trade. They swapped picks with the Browns. So they use 101 and 147, which is a fifth-round pick, and move up to 88 to take Vanderbilt linebacker Oren Burks. Now, if you haven't heard of him, I understand. He is a Vanderbilt football player first, so that's just full stop. If you haven't heard of him, I understand. But he's a a linebacker, and linebackers don't get a lot of press unless they're crazy famous or crazy productive 
Even Zach Cunningham, who was one of my favorite players in the draft last year, fell to the second round, I think in part because he went to Vanderbilt. And Oren Burks is a very, very gifted player. He was Mike Mayock's 79th overall player. Scouts Inc., which is ESPN, that's McShay is basically in charge of. He was their 87th player. I had him a little bit further down in the 90s probably. But to get him at 88 for a a pick that you're basically using your fourth round pick on him, 101, and you're giving up 147 to secure that pick when they still have, the Packers have eight picks left. They have a fourth, three-fifths, a sixth, and three-sevenths. So that that is serious capital that they can use. They can use multiple fifths to move up into the third or excuse me, the fourth again to get some of these guys. They can use sevenths to get up into the sixth. I mean, this is priority free agent time once you get through round four. So there are there are some serious talents left. I mean, some guys that I think are top 50 talents are still on the board. So Green Bay could still, I mean, they might not be done wheeling and dealing, but let's let's dig into Burks, the player, a little bit. I'll read, I'll read to you my report from him. Burks is an extremely raw player with outstanding athletic tools who is still learning how to play the position. He has just two years of experience at linebacker and will be even and will be even playing a different role likely in the NFL. His athletic gifts speak for themselves as he can turn and run with running backs, tight ends, and even receivers. He's tailor-made for a team that wants to play him in zone coverage where he can roam and read the quarterback or man coverage where he can cover tight ends and running backs. He can be an excellent run and chase will linebacker eventually or a nickel linebacker on the inside. There are a lot of things to like here, but his instincts are shaky and his ball skills are still developing. Probably the reason they moved him from defensive back. He went from DB to safety to linebacker. At worst, he's an A special teamer with sub sub package juice, like Joe Thomas for the Packers. I wrote this, by the way, wrote this before he was picked. So that was a comparison on my mind before this all went down. Could he become KJ Wright? Sure, but that's at least a year or two away and assumes a lot of projection. Let me just give you a little taste of his athletic ability, though. He's 6'3", 233. So he is, he's a, a solid size for a linebacker. Would be huge for a safety. He's going to play some sort of hybrid role, I assume. Some sort of nickel-dime linebacker. He's going to be able to cover tight ends and running backs. He ran 4.59, which is good, not great. It's very good, not not great. 81st percentile. But he jumped out of the gym. Burst score in the 96th percentile. And then excellent agility drills. 95th percentile with his agility score. He is a modern cover linebacker. And the question is going to be, can he be a consistent enough down-to-down player with his instincts and his ability to process? Can he read a play before it happens, come downhill and make a tackle? He's got to get a little bit stronger to be a more consistent tackler. But athletically, I mean, athletically, what doesn't he have from a physical tool standpoint? He has all of the tools. Here's here's the Bob McGinn scouting report as well. First thing, smart as a whip. I mean, that's what you want from a linebacker. Is he smart? Yes. 
There's no doubt this guy will play. What a great kid. This is the type of kid you search for. I mean, those are the, those are the two things. That's what you want. Can Rome match up and blitz on third down? Tough. I thought they could have played him more as a blitzer. I thought they could have brought him off the edge more because of his speed and his athletic ability. Now, McGinn had him as a fourth-round player. That's fine. It, this is all sort of subjective at this point. There's no consensus. That's all right. It's very clear. I mentioned earlier, it's very clear they want to get different types of players. They want guys who can fit different kinds of roles. They have their downhill run-stuffing linebacker, Blake Martinez. What they need is someone who can run with running backs. The Packers were killed last season and have been and have been for like a decade now, it seems, by running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Screens, wheel routes, angle routes. Burks is the antidote to that. He can turn and run with running backs. He can cover tight ends. Now, that's what you have Josh Jones for. But they can both do it. And so does this mean less time in the box for Josh Jones? I think maybe as a true linebacker. But I think they're still going to find ways to have Jones near the line of scrimmage. I think they're still going to find ways, creative ways to disguise coverage. He's going to play deep. There's going to be a lot of too deep coverage. They're not going to give up big plays. But they're still going to find ways to create matchups that favor the defense rather than the offense. And all of these athletes in the back end, when you look at the players that they've added in the first three rounds and the back end of the last two drafts, Kevin King, incredible athlete. Josh Jones, incredible athlete. Jair Alexander, incredible athlete. Josh Jones, or Josh Jackson, Maybe not an incredible athlete, but a very good athlete with great size. I mean, this is a guy who at six feet, 196, ran four five and jumped 40 inches. And he's the worst athlete of this group because Oren Burks is an insane athlete. Now, how many of them are football players? How many of them are good football players? That is the question that Mike Pettin is going to have to answer. And he's going to have to help make them good football players. That's his role. That's why they brought him in. Put these guys in a position to succeed. All right. There are still quality players. As I mentioned, the Packers have a host of picks to still to make. I doubt they'll make all of them. They've already given up some picks to to, to move up and, and create for themselves opportunities to get players that they really like. Obviously, Burks was that guy. They're still talented players, guys who can be starters, can be impact rotation level players. The Packers need a receiver. They probably need an offensive lineman. Beyond that, it's all gravy. I expect the first two picks will, in some form or fashion, first three picks, I suppose, edge, I didn't mention that, receiver, offensive line. We know the fourth round is where the Packers find their offensive lineman. Anything after that, if they do that, even, I mean, I think we could say that this draft is a win. I think it's a win already, almost no matter what, getting getting the players they have already picked, this is a win. And the first round pick next year, this is a win. This is a win. Packer fans should be happy today. They should be going to bed tonight if you're listening to this tonight or you're waking up on Saturday and watching the draft. 
or whatever it is, you should be resting easy knowing that the Packers added impact players at need positions and got tremendous value for them. All right, we'll have a show on Saturday after the draft, a recap of day three. We'll go bang, bang, bang with the, with the different players that, that they pick because we won't have time to go in-depth in all of them. And then on Monday, we will get into big picture views. If we need to go into a little bit more depth with some of the day three players, because I went into such depth with Jackson and Burks and Alexander, we will do that. And then I've already reached out to the people that, that cover some of these players to get a feel for who are these players, what do they like, what do they bring to the table, and I'm gonna bring those interviews to you to get you an early look. I want you prepped for mini camps. I want you prepped for training camp to know what to expect from these players when they put on the green and gold. For more, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. I've been tweeting out scouting reports that I've been writing for Fansided. Those are up there. Check out the Twitter feed. Check out fansided.com. Check out acmepackingcompany.com. Check out profootballweekly.com. A ton of great content there. And always stay locked on Packers.